0: Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I'm living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex.
1: Hi, everybody. I am Alex Shi. I am from the Northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you today from Beijing, China.
0: Yeah, I miss Beijing. I used to live there, and I'm maybe moving back, so I'm really excited. Waiting for that day to come. Yeah, four or five months. I think it's going to be soon. It's just dependent on a lot of things, but I'm excited to come back. Today, we don't get to talk about something fun. We're going to talk about something very unfun, actually. So Mm -hmm. uh, this is something we've talked about before. Anti- Asian hate crimes in the United States. So, I'm going to just begin by talking about a New York man because the last time we talked, we mentioned that some of the perpetrators of these violent crimes in San Francisco and New York were just being re released back into the population after processing. Yeah. And so, I wanted to follow up. They are now prosecuting this man who has attacked seven Asian women. And I'm, I'm wondering why seven. I don't mean to be funny, but like, really, why did it take this many attacks before this this man was prosecuted for hate crimes? What is going on in New York that it, it you have to show up such a long pattern of violence before the prosecuting attorney will to do something about it? I
1: know I'm all, almost a little bit scared to find out because I've been I was in New York from 20. 20- 15 to 2018 and i think we've talked about stories that i personally experienced you know the unkindness from strangers on the street in new york which doesn't happen every day but as an asian person you do experience that and my biggest thing is i think when those unkind act happens it's not geared towards a person from China it's geared towards literally if you look Asian you know Mm. that's where it's coming from and just looking at social media stories and news stories about more attacks that are happening there I don't even want to know or you know want to see how it actually Mm. is right now because I don't know how frustrating that would be for me
0: um, you know, actually, you you bring up a point I didn't really think about. You know, I come from a background uh, often described as privilege. I am a white male, you know, and I'm in middle age, so I guess I, I grew up grew up in the glory days of being white male. Mm. So <laughs> I would like it if you could help other people like me better understand, I mean, we're talking, you know, the pandemic obviously set it off so that it's much worse than ever before. But you're mentioning mm-hmm. you were talking about living there before the pandemic and you experienced racism frequently. Could you walk us through one or two times that you experienced racist uh, incidents where people just said things or did things that made you uncomfortable?
1: (laughs) This was um, funny enough. And I think I at the end of my stories, I might have a little bit of an unpopular opinion on the whole racism that I experienced in the United States. I think I talked about uh, when I was in this is not New York. This was Boston. I talked about when I was going to school there, how you know, I caught conversations when I was in the bathroom, how two girls were saying, "Oh my God, our class would be so much you know better. I could learn so much more. I could be moving forward so much faster mm. if these international students were not in the class
0: when those in mm. those
1: international students were exclusively Chinese at the moment, and it was just, you
0: know, I remember this story. um what about what about on the street or out in public like I guess that is public. you're in a classroom that is a public place, but I mean, like, literally outside in in, did you (laughs) did people say things to you on the street or do things that made you uh fear afraid so um
1: was never really lucky for me i think i was never really afraid uh of being attacked like i when i was in new york Hmm. i guess if we're talking about golden days i wouldn't call that golden days but those were better days you know there were bias the biases they were thoughts that people had in their mind that were probably not True and probably hmm. threatening in some way, but those were thoughts that are living in other people's mind that they didn't carry out as actions. but the only time that someone random stranger on the street um doing something that's specifically racist to us was in Bushwick, New York, out of all places, you would think because that's a very diverse uh, neighborhoods. It has a lot of, Mm. I think if I remember correctly, Puerto Ricans and a lot of young artists of different ethnicities living there. A lot of international students live there as well because, you know, affordable rents. So, we were I was walking on the street with my uh dancer friend and another journalist friend and we were all Chinese and it was a very I always remember that the weather when this happened it, it was a very very nice day in Bushwick and you know we were just bathing in the sun walking on the street in an uh weekday afternoon there were not there basically were no other people um in that area but us walking and we were just talking. And then we see, we see this other person walking towards us and she was, I thought she was talking on the phone. Mm. She had, I thought she had like maybe Bluetooth uh, headphones on, mm. and she was talking to the phone. And as she got closer, what she was doing, she was like, "Ching ching chong, chong, ching
0: ching Oh god!
1: And and pulled her eye to the side, and she said, "Yeah, go back to China," and walked away. And we were like, "Oh wow!" But it was like she started doing that when she was, I don't know, like fifty feet away from us, and I was like, um, "Wow." <laughs> that's okay well you could hear us talking you know that far away <laughs> good for you but like that's the worst. for personally that's the worst what i have had we had another incident where me and another couple of uh one korean girl and chinese girl and another chinese guy were walking on the street and then the this lady just decided to be mad at us and just walked straight in front of us because she, she was walking from the opposite direction and she walks over mm. and she just stops in front of us and stares at us and basically like move away <laughs> i was like wow. okay and then <laughs> my boyfriend at the time was trying to you know tough up i'm like it's not worth it <laughs> whatever issue she has mm. let's not let's not make it worse let's just leave
0: not escalate this lady's mental health problem
1: that's what i think like the the first lady who said you know said that basically the racial slur that i think I'm pretty sure she had some sort of like mental disorder. You know,
0: at the, I mean, at the same time that I... I, it, it does seem like the media is pointing out that there are a lot of people with mental health disorders committing these crimes. I don't think it's healthy as a society for us to always say that that's the case necessarily. I think racism is not just a mental health disorder. It is mm-hmm. a serious sociological kind of phenomenon that people need to check themselves on. I mean, because obviously, you know, mental health disorders didn't increase by, I don't know, what is it, 400 percent or whatever over the pandemic we have and yeah. what what happened is people are more racist now and I think we we could we should probably be looking at some of the sources of those racist racist feelings and I I went on some of these websites uh you know the anti-asian hate websites that are out there there's a lot of them actually uh to provide support and to track these kinds of criminal activities mm-hmm. and I think a lot of them have to do with like I, I think there are a lot of different causes right now obviously. But my opinion, based on what I've read, is that uh, a lot of them are caused by politicizing in the media. Like, for example... The New York Times, uh yes. oftentimes when they're running an article about COVID, mm-hmm. they just put an Asian picture there. <laughs> a picture of an Asian person. I, I saw this on Reddit like a, a ton of times. I saw that the people are talking about it. Why is this happening? Why is the New York Times every time there's an article about COVID showing a picture of like an Asian woman walking down New York streets? This is not helping the situation. And <laughs> I thought the New York Times, when I was young, I used to have a lot of respect for the New York Times. But increasingly, I am not feeling that way. <laughs>
1: you know, that's funny that you mentioned it. And I'll circle back to something that you mentioned earlier. But it's really funny that you mentioned the New York Times and this kind of, you know, uh, uh, very conflicting din- uh, idea. Dinner. Why did I say dinner? Conflicting idea or impressions that you're having for it. I was when I was going to journalism school in in the States, New York Times was absolutely the pillar of journalism for
0: America young yeah.
1: aspiring journalists you know mm. um, and we were reading all kinds of work uh, published on the New York Times and we were lucky enough before the uh, late David Carr uh, passed away we were lucky enough to have him at Boston University for a little bit I, I, I missed this class because I graduated when he started mm. teaching but some people who were able to follow his mentorship and learn from him was just great. Um, and then when I came back to China, I was like, these articles are coming out of New York Times, like exactly the same reaction as you. And then I realized I feel like people who are writing for the domestic uh, mm. branch or the domestic section of mm. New York Times are absolutely amazing journalists. And people who are writing for the international. They are great journalists, too. But like you said, and this helps me, you know, go back to what you said earlier. There's a lot of sociological reasons that go into why people look at um, international affairs in a certain way. And if you're always if you're someone who doesn't really follow international uh, affairs, doesn't follow international news or who doesn't have an extensive understanding of what things are, outside of you've been thinking this way the american way growing up it's really hard for this person um for the set person in the states to to look at the news and and be like is it really like that they're just going to take everything that Mm -hmm. it's on the news Mm -hmm. and not think and at the same time think that there is critical thinking involved in perceiving that information from the news article and that's that's this that's kind of sad part for me honestly
0: I think the media needs to take more accountability because CNN does the same kind of thing. They quote people saying really uh, terrible things, like our former president ta- calling COVID all kinds of China-related, you know, uh, racist metaphors. Mm. Uh, th- those things were repeated not just on the media that was pro-Trump, but the media that was against Trump was just of spewing course. those everywhere. And then of they became ubiquitous with people who were looking for someone to blame. A lot of people who were looking to have something. To grab that was racist, or to someone to demonize, we're grabbing onto this language wherever it came from, and that's why we see a nine thousand incidences of anti Asian hate crimes in the United States since the pandemic began, which really mm. puzzling for me. I mean, firstly, everyone in the world knows that the United States of America has a racism problem with its African American community, and that they are not treated with respect, and that they're all co- a litany of abuses that we don't have time to go into in this show, Mm. but it really shows like the degree to which racism is a very serious problem in the United States. Mm. When 9,000 instances happened for another race, also on top of the fact that they have this problem. And then the United States always tries to claim that it's a haven for minorities. How is it a haven (laughs) for minorities when all the minorities are constantly dealing with like violence criminality that is coming, perpetrated in some cases by the police. I'm not saying all police are bad. I don't want to go into that. That's a whole other topic. But even there are instances of, of racism by police. It doesn't seem like the United States has a lot of ground to stand on to talk about, oh, minorities are great. It just seems more like they need labor, which is really kind of gross.
1: Yeah, I think I think media is really a great place to start this whole discussion and conversation about how asians are being treated or how what the, what the what is the impression people have mm. on asian people because you get so much like uh, my f- american friends who are still in china their family are checking in on them now because you know um the their pandemic still is not over and and this is mm. this is a real conversation i heard <laughs> from an american friend mm. calling his family and funny enough he was telling his family about how easy it is to get why am i here how convenient it is to get food and he's like and he this is oh my god this is a real conversation i can't even i can't even make it up he said you know we order starbucks every morning and I, we get we get starbucks delivered to our door and his friend said in total surprise he's she said oh my god they have a starbucks in china he's like oh. he said Yeah, they're all over China. We have one in our neighborhood. We have like three. It's oversaturated, but... I think that 6,000... No way. I think there's more than that. Like, I think in (laughs) Beijing...
0: Well, I just read an article in the Global Times a couple weeks ago. I'm a fan of Luckin. I go to Starbucks, actually, because it's what's in my neighborhood. Yeah. But I'm a big fan of Luckin because it's cheap and I'm... (laughs) And I mean, it's delicious, too. I don't want to say anything bad about Luckin. It's actually... I think I prefer it. But... Uh, I read an article in the Global Times two weeks ago that Luckin had just overtaken Starbucks with 6,000-and-something stores in China. Uh If the Global Times is correct, and I think it is, then that means there's 6,000-and-something Starbucks and and 6,000-and-something Luckin with Luckin just slightly above.
1: Mm, Good deduction. And I think – Starbucks is probably just more, there's a higher density of Starbucks uh, storefront in, in Beijing that probably
0: oh yeah, oh, creates yeah.
1: that illusion that there's so many different Starbucks. But yeah, that person was literally just like, oh my God, there's a Starbucks. There is a Starbucks in China. And I'm like, yes, there's a lot of, like that kind of understanding, that kind of limited knowledge of a person. And of course this person wasn't uh, calling my friend to be like- mm criticizing china but that's her impression on what china is and people kind of don't imagine that's just a regular uh you know american girl what kind of information people are consuming mm. about other countries and mm. it, it's really like the on- only the negative mm. kind of information gets around right and i understand people try to empathize like oh something bad is happening in another country but it's also like, and I always make this kind of analogy. I'm like, when you're like, like if you're a couple and you have fight, let's say even if you fight like once a week, you have a, a fight, but the rest of the week you're fine. And every time when you when you fight, mm. you go to your friends and you start complaining about and describing everything. Those people are not spending the couple hundred of hours that you guys are spending together when you're not fighting. All they get, mm. all the impression they have on your relationship or on this person that you're with is that you're fighting and that will completely outweigh
0: whatever. And then they were like, why don't you break up? Exactly. That is an amazing analogy, Alex. I think I'm a
1: queen of analogies.
0: That was a really good one. Yeah. (laughs) Because yeah, you turn on all of these mainstream media sources and they, they want people to watch. Do people watch sensation? So they show you like the most scary, frightening things. And so then people have these warped perspectives. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, my mom felt the same way. I hadn't (laughs) called her in two or three weeks. And she's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, everything's fine. I'm just sitting on my balcony enjoying the sun. She's like, I heard like, there's COVID. And I was like, yeah, that happened a couple of years ago. What are you talking about? And I guess I, I don't know what media she's watching, but whatever mainstream media she had turned on on the tube was telling her that everything in China was all upside down and crazy. And I was like, <laughs> no, everything's fine. Yeah, I got a COVID test a couple of weeks ago. And now I'm enjoying, you know, I, my life again. I
1: got a phone call from a friend in the States when I think this was, uh this was before COVID for sure. And that's one of my, Great friends. One of my closest friends in New York. They uh, there was some kind of flood in southern China, which happens every year. And then there were some reports, of course, and that was covered by uh, a a couple of the mainstream media outlets here. And it was broadcasted in the states, and my friend called me. She was like, "Oh my god, Alex, are you okay? I I heard it's flooding in China." <laughs> I'm like, "You know, if you're if you're saying it's like it, three thousand miles I'm away, like, <laughs> if it's flooding in China, the world is probably underwater."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: just like, "And I love her, and she's she's She was worried about me, of course, but it's like." People don't even understand. And then and then there are people who are like, oh, you're from China. Can you tell me about the weather there? I'm like, no, I can't. It covers all all major types of weather. Should we
0: talk about the Himalayas? It's really cool. And it's just
1: like it's it's just kind of like where do I even begin? Like those people that those conversations I had. And they're not, you know, trying to say, oh, wait, thank you or whatever. It, th- it's worse than that. They couldn't think because they didn't have enough mm. information. And, and I, I think this is when We were in uh junior high school or even primary school, mm. we have geography classes, and in geography classes and his uh, history classes throughout our education, all the way up until high school, even before you learn about Chinese geography, of course. But it's a very important part for us to learn about the world geography mm-hmm. and the world mm-hmm. history. And I know people talk about how bad our you know, uh, the, it is for kids to, to deal with the exams, yada mm. yada yada, but it also, I also like looking back jason i was such a knowledgeable person in high school like i could conquer the world Mm. i don't remember any of the things right now and i wish i could and that could help me win so much more beer and trivia every thursday (laughs) or food vouchers um all of those knowledges but we know about you know how big america is what's the you know the range of latitudes it covers and mm. what are the you know the five what are they called in english again the the great lakes yeah. and the major mountains and how does that affect the the, the climate of certain area so all mm. of the things and so in our mind and this is without saying which who's right or wrong, just saying this is such a thing called unconscious bias. And that's mm. what we have. Like when we talk to people, we're like, that's how we grow up. That's kind of our fundamental knowledge system. Why is that not your fundamental knowledge system? Right. right. Like I learn about you, you learn about me, but America just does a little bit more.
0: Well, I, you know, I think, I, I don't know how this is in China pers- perspectives on Africa, but they're in an An uncomfortably large amount of Americans who when they think of Africa, they think it's one place. There's a place called (laughs) Africa and like they don't know, you know, there's like dozens of countries and they all have different. It's, I think, the same thing with China. You know, you would think all you have to do is look at a map and you can see the United States and you can see China. And if you know enough about the United States, you should be able to extrapolate that China would also be a very diverse place because it's roughly the same size-ish, yeah. you know, like on a map. But I think the problem is geography itself as a topic is not something that is uh, well understood in the United States. They have famous comedians like Conan and like, I don't know, all the, all those Doing guys shows. that go out on the street. Oh. And they, yeah, they ask people oh on the street God. and they say, "Here's here's a map of the world with no country names on it. Can you find the United States? And you, there's a laughable, you know, moment because there's a ridiculously large amount of people in New York. When well, New York is one of the most well-educated places in the United States, yeah. and they're like, they point at the wrong place on the world map. How can someone not know where their own country is on a map? And I don't know, <laughs> maybe they're cherry-picking, pick- uh-huh. and they're just showing like the ten people who don't know, and they were they asked thirty people who, and twenty people knew. But if they're if it, if you can find. 10 people who can't find their own country on a map in like a te- in 10 or 15 minutes outside with a microphone. How scary is that? Like about the lack of information. Yeah. So, you know, you you mentioned the start of this, this turn in our conversation that starting at the media is a great way to understand why there is an uptick in anti-Asian hate crimes. Because like you said also at the beginning of this show, people are not looking at an Asian person thinking, okay, that's that's a Korean person. I hate them because of X reasons and that's a Japanese. They're, they're just seeing Asian people and they've heard bad things about one or more of them. And then they're just like, okay, those are the baddies or whatever. And that is a huge problem. And maybe the, only, the, the solution yeah. is obviously for the media to take its job more seriously because – these people have obviously gotten out of high school. But another problem is <laughs> another problem is maybe education needs to be reformed at a, so that they take like learning about the world more seriously, mm. especially considering the amount of uh, influence the United States has over other parts of the world. But I digress. Yeah. But obviously we're focused today on anti-Asian hate crimes. One of the things I saw recently in the media and I I'm imagining you may have seen this too mm. was there was a the, the really long line of like 100 people lined up to get pepper spray. And in one of the Asian communities, it may have been San Francisco's Chinatown or New York's Chinatown, but it was, it was like, okay, people are starting to really take mm. their safety more seriously and like be really be afraid because some people have died from these attacks people have been hit in the head with bricks and pipes and other things people have been stabbed mm. multiple times i mean these these are not just like someone getting pushed to the ground and run away like that has happened obviously and i remember seeing footage of an elderly man being pushed to the ground and i think he broke his hip or something But like people are dying now from this violent crime in the United States of America. And, you know, what are the things that you you think can be done to maybe take this back, deescalate this a little bit? Are there things that America can be doing? First off, I
1: I honestly doubt how effective pepper sprays will be. (laughs) Or situations like this.
0: Hmm. If they have a knife, yeah, or something. Usually,
1: like, you know, the the very unfortunate incident you and I talked about uh, a while ago when the lady was pushed down the tracks at New York Subway. Mm. Will mm. She, would she have time to pepper spray the person? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. And these women no. that were attacked just randomly on the street, will they have time to pepper spray the person? Probably not. Like... Can it help? Is it good to have precaution? For sure. I think, you know,
0: mm-hmm. get the
1: pepper spray ready. I, you don't know, like if if someone just comes up and goes up to your face and starts saying really, you know, uh, violent, offensive things and you're scared that this would escalate. Yeah, sure. Pepper sprayed them. But mm. there are also like like we've been saying fatal incidents that happen. And I, I just don't know how how effective that would be. Mm. And I uh, I I don't know if you heard me sighing, but it's kind of the same um, sentiment I had when. Uh, I first moved to the States. This is 2014 mm-hmm. when the Mike Brown thing happened. And back then I was like, mm. um, you know, how could this be like this? And how are, how's everyone not talking about it? We should make, we should talk about conversation. We should, we should, you know, have conversations and, and, and talk about this and condemn whoever. Mm, mm. And, and another, you know, African-American friend I had at the time. And I even was so bold as to asking him, I said, how could you be so calm? Mm. And he said, "He said, Alex, this is not news to us. Mm. This is our reality. This is our truth growing up. And he was like 34 mm. uh, at the time, I think. And he said, I, in, in my 33, 34 years of life, mm. this is what happens every day. It's just that you guys outside of the community are starting to see it because for whatever reason, the media decides to... Mm expose it more and then repeatedly showing those videos and, and pictures of whatever to billions of people. And to us, the only emotions I have right now is helplessness, mm. um, fatigue. You know, there's no, there's nothing else. I don't I don't have anger left even. And I feel I feel like right now with the whole anti-Asian hate crime. It's really hard because I, I went from feeling like really worked up about the whole racial situation as someone who's not part of the Black community, you know, Asian, obviously, mm-hmm. to watching these kind of incidents happen repeatedly throughout my time in the United States. And every time it happens, you're like... In the beginning, you think if we do a, B, C, D, mm. things will get better, and people are advocating for it, people are making plans for it, people are mm-hmm. broadcasting messages to to everybody and then you start to realize every time it happens, it's just a repeated process and mm. i'm like i don't see any progress and then I started to understand my friend who said that he just feels fatigue, and with the Asian anti asian um you know sentiment, I really feel like it's not there's no short term Solution. There's something that people have to really dig super deep into how they look at this country, like the United States, how people in the United States look at United States. If American people like can't really sit down and say that there are flaws in our system, I feel like it's just going to keep happening. Like if it's not Chinese after a couple of years, if this whole pandemic thing blows over, it could be another minority group.
0: It's actually increased, according to this article by NPR. This came out just recently, 2021, August 12th. Just in 2020, there were 5,000 instances that occurred, which is an uptick. It's like 400 percent greater. I just want our listeners to really be paying attention. Sure. The violence is increasing dramatically. I read this blog by this journalist who was living in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. There are so many different Bay Areas, <laughs> and she, the you know, this was there was an uptick in coverage, right? There was an uptick in like 2021 in coverage for a little while. Yeah. So she came, she found some new media about different violent acts that ca- had come up. And she won- She wrote an article and went to her publisher. And the publisher's like, no, no, that was last month. We're not doing that right now because that's not what people are interested in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the media in the U.S. is not trying to fix problems. They're trying to get, they're trying to sell commercial. Their entire model is based, based on can I sell advertisements so what is selling now? I guess that would be Will Smith hitting Chris Rock. Oh my God. So like, instead of like covering, I don't know, some war or some racist violence by X, Y, or Z people, they're just gonna focus on what is going to get people to watch their, read their publication, go to their website and click, or to like watch their, watch their TV program, whatever it is. And they don't really want to fix anything. That's not their goal. They maybe think that, oh, so sometimes that's a byproduct of one of the things that they cover. But I really don't think that the U.S. media is focused on trying to help America heal anything.
1: That is such a good point. And I can't agree more because I've had this basically the same message uh, I was telling people. I said the media and not just the, not just the media, anything that's related to information in, in the United States. That, and this is my you know impression. A lot of time people feel a lot of times people feel like if I expose it, mm. I solved it. Mm. I solved the problem. If I expose this problem, I solve solve this problem by letting more people know. But the thing is, when you expose it, you have intended audience, but then there is the actual audience. Hmm. You're, you know, if you're saying like, oh, I am going to, you know, show the footage of an Asian person being attacked on the street. And you think, oh, I am trying to tell people about anti-Asian, you know, like uh, hate crimes. There are also people who are looking at this and think, see, I was right about those people. Like they need to be, you know, they deserve to be attacked or, or mm. you know, they, they were doing something wrong. Wow, it's, it's, That's mass media. That's always mass media. That's why sometimes I'm like, I, I, I first off, like I hate, you know, Internet uh, crimes or what do you call those people who go on the Internet and try to expose other people's private information just because they said something. Trolls. Um, Trolls. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Internet trolls. Absolutely horrible people. But also like when you're a celebrity, when you're someone who exposed yourself in front of the media, like you have to brace yourself for that possibility. You can't expect media to have you on a screen, on a seven inch screen for the phone Mm -hmm. and that the whole world is going to think of you exactly the same way you want to be perceived. It's it's just the a, a truth of media. And for, for journalism, you know, for, for news people, when we talk about, you know, exposing an issue and not uh, solving it, I think they it's it's super true and people need to th- start thinking about it because so many problems are being exposed without, without uh, a solution being offered or even like a direction of where people should go being offered. And with that said... I am going to break, I'm going to break that cuz we're on a you know we're sort of a, a media voice at this point mm. and we're saying that other medias other media outlets are, are are exposing issues without offering a solution and I'm going to offer a solution there's something right now called uh uh, you know, very straightforward name. It's called Solution Journalism, mm-hmm, Solutions mm-hmm. Journalism, which basically is a, a they're a, a not-for-profit organization, of course. And it started by a couple of journalists in the United States um, where they were advocating for news pieces, news stories, mm-hmm. not to just expose problems. Like you, it's great. Everybody sees problems. Mm-hmm, if you can see mm-hmm. problem and you could write and you happen to work for a news organization, you're a reporter. Everybody, a lot of people could, Expose that problem, but after you expose that problem, can you go deeper? Can you go one step further and try to see what are the possible ways for this so the uh, problem to be solved for people to hmm. get feel not feel better, but like you know, get help, get assistance. And we understand the the you know the timeliness of news articles, and it can't just wait for like a month until you've you've connected with actual assistance, but if you can't ha- if you can't do that can you provide guidance or directions people could go to find such resources to actually help the problem mm-hmm. and but that to do that it takes away from what you said it takes away from the possible advertisement Mm. That the news media could get and which is against money, which is against, you know, a lot of things that are by nature, mm. uh, you know, capitalism.
0: I, I don't want to talk about myself, but I'm going to try to make my own analogy. I have a Twitter account <laughs> and yeah. I like to I live in China. I think China's great. And so sometimes I, I find uh, articles about like, hey, China just gave aid to Tonga. And it sent like 10,000 tons of food and supplies. And I'll get pictures and I'll I'll write about how great it was and post it. And I'll get like three likes. But if I write something that attacks some other entity and like say something derogatory, I'll get like 100 likes. I think that this is, you know, a minute, like representative of how people's attention works. People are looking like for these sensational things. So if you point out some solution which i i think is a great idea i wish there was a better way to do that people a lot of people are not mm-hmm. interested they're just like oh that's not sensational this whole thing over here look exactly there's an explosion in this article i want to see what that's about and so like it's kind of sad really it's
1: very it's really very very sad and especially as someone uh who studied uh media theories and looking at how media is being handled and how media has developed to what it is today like i said a lot of the time it's really you one person's power and strength or whatever is just not going to change the whole situation but like i said there is the solutions uh mm-hmm. journalism organization and they've come to china as well like the an organization brought them in and they started they tried they twist they not twisted it's they spun it they spun it a little bit and made it into this thing called solutions mm. narrative which expands the content from just uh news content to any other like documentaries or or even narrative films or any creative work that could work in that function to mm-hmm. really help. And and I know that a lot of people outside of China criticize how Chinese media work. But I'm like, if we have this in China and we're trying to catch ourselves without, you know, before we go that direction, um, because of the nature of media, I think we're gonna probably have a better outcome, maybe not, you know, financially for the news organizations, but for what yeah. it actually does for society, I think it's a great direction to, to go with. In
0: terms of what people think about China, I actually found some statistics yesterday or the day before that really blew my mind. Do share. Uh, and this is done by Harvard. So this is har- done by Harvard Business Review. Mm-hmm. And so that is an American institution, not a Chinese institution. They did an 11-year long longitudinal study. I don't really know what that means, (laughs) but that's what they call it. And it finished in July of 2020. And they found that there is a 95% satisfaction with the central government of China among Chinese people. So when I hear people say like, oh, Chinese media this and Chinese media that, I really don't think people in the West understand China. Even the people who are trying to understand China are really divorced from any understanding. Maybe people to people People exchanges could fix that. But another thing is American media. American mainstream media portrays Chinese media as bad and i that's sensationalism that's clickbait that's to sell you more toothpaste which is insane (laughs) like (laughs) how much toothpaste do you need
1: (laughs) um here's the thing i feel like this is how i look at a lot of uh, international not even international relationships just when it comes to what you think another country is i remember i was thinking to myself because uh we were when i was in boston we had we had someone from i can't remember it's one of the middle eastern countries and they have this dish that's kind of like a salty uh yogurt kind of thing and apparently it's very different from what people in america mm. are used to when it comes to the taste of a kind of food and mm. um my my other friends there were like oh my god that's so disgusting i can't <laughs> i can't imagine how this this could be you know edible and, and i was there thinking this country has at least, you know, like 100 million people or something. And, and even if only 1% of the, the, the population like this food, mm. that means mm. a million people think this is tasty. Are they all eating <laughs> this? <They're, laughs> they can't be. So I feel like if you've ever even met a Chinese person in your life, mm. and, and I think this speaks to pretty much every country. And if this person wasn't an extremist or or a complete, you know, knucklehead in front of you, assume that there is something in that country that's happening that is just like what you're experiencing every day as an American person. Mm. And really know that, like, ask yourself that part of my language, but ask yourself that idiot question, like, are that many people stupid in that country? (laughs) (laughs) If you, out of really, out of uh, complete honesty and common sense and your 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 critical thinking abilities. If you could honestly tell tell yourself, yes, I think like, you know, all billion people in China are are stupid and can't tell what what is what A can tell A from B. If you think that then I, sure, I there's nothing else I can do. But if
0: Yeah, you're right. But yeah. if
1: you have an ounce of doubt or think as a person, then mm. follow that thread. Don't go to the easy, you know, sensational thread and just try to feel like oh my god because people mm-hmm. feel like they're more in power or they feel like they're smarter when you could stand somewhere and point to another object or person and say that is wrong it gives you more power but that power does you nothing and when that power becomes a collective thinking mm-hmm. it actually harms both of you and in this case it's harming yeah. the asian community uh, hmm. living in the United States. I think
0: you're completely right. And I hope that there are other people in media listening to us who will maybe take some of these ideas and, you know, try to <sighs> be more solutions oriented. But I have some slightly different questions it's on a different track. Mm-hmm. So you live in China now and obviously you yes. speak mandarin more way more fluently than i hope to before i retire or something. So what do <laughs> other chinese people think about, you know, this problem, this current issue in america? What are chinese people saying and talk about the, you know, anti-asian criminality in the united states what what is the dialogue you know funny
1: enough we don't read about (laughs) all of the (laughs) all of the the ugly stuff that is happening in the united states every day on a daily basis Mm. you know Ah, mm. um so and then like i said a lot of chinese people have sort of a basic understanding of what america is you know they might not know Mm. What is the hottest what 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 is the hottest show on on TV right now, or they might not know about uh, what is the new music streaming platform? But they have a basic understanding of what America society is. So when they've we, heard
0: that Will Smith is great at slapping folks.
1: Oh, that everybody, the whole world heard <laughs> that. The whole world knows about it. But I need people to stop talking about it. I'm getting so annoyed. <laughs> oh, my God. I need people to stop talking about it. Um, but when they, when Chinese people, uh, most of us, of course, when we hear about uh, anything about the United States, the understanding of that will be based on what our um, knowledge of the United States is. It's not just a standalone incident. So people are kind of trying to understand, um, you know, we know everybody knows America as the melting pot, and we learned that in class. Like we're taught Mm -hmm. that in class. And so we understand that there's always going to be conflicts and stuff. But um, when it's not just, you know, social economical struggle or social economical fights when it's personal when it's attacks that are carried out against individuals like of course people will be fumed like people will be mm-hmm. enraged mm-hmm. cuz that's just not like i don't know your impression um like how you felt after living in china for so many years like it it feels like these kind of attacks are not something that is you know it's not something that you would expect
0: i get the exact opposite actually so we were talking about my privilege at the beginning or i was you know i still experience that here i come here When I see people, I meet people, they always treat me with dignity, respect, Mm -hmm. and, you know, camaraderie, invitations to, like... Enjoy a free meal with them or come meet their family or talk, speak English with them or their child. So, yeah, um, my experience is not that Chinese people are racist against me for being a white person here in China. Not at all. My experience are people are like, hey, welcome to China. What do you think? You know, is it is it what do you think? What's America like? You know, they really just want to be my friend instantaneously. People call me Pengyo. Wherever I go.
1: Yeah. Hey, peng you, peng you. which means friends. In Chinese. Exactly. Just,
0: People you know. call me friend <laughs> immediately seeing me. Hey, and then it's kids see me and they say foreigner in Chinese. wai guo Ren? But they mean it in like a positive way. Like look at someone who's so cool. And so, like, I'm yeah. treated very, very differently than minorities in the United States.
1: Yeah, mean. a lot of people come here and they're like, oh, my God, they stare at me. I'm like, well, they, they don't mean that. But, you know, they don't mean yeah. anything yeah. bad
0: when they're just staring because
1: you're it's you, you look different. It's something new that they've never seen, mm. especially mm. if you go to smaller uh, cities. But yeah, my 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 thing is, you know, we don't look at what's happening in the United States and just go oh my god United States it's it's a you know it's completely ruined we will worry about our own people though like we can mm-hmm. have we can have a very sound judgment or you know a more balanced view of what that means for America but mm-hmm. we're Chinese people and we have you know our our kids our friends our families living over there and we really I personally even as someone who lived in the United States when when this started happening I was checking in on my friend I'm like I'm worried about you like i feel mm. like i shouldn't because i lived there before but i am worried about you like are you scared like are you are you worried about your safety when you leave when you go outside and i was like maybe don't go don't go outside and bring your dog with you or something <laughs>
0: I wanted to ask another question, but first I want to frame it a little bit and give some context. So I was watching uh, Trevor Noah recently. I don't always watch him. Sometimes I agree with him. Sometimes I, I feel don't. The same way. But he was making a lot of sense. He was saying uh, that there's this thing called the talk that African American families have to have with their children as young as seven or eight years old, Mm -hmm. their mom and dad have to sit down with them and talk about what, how to engage with the police and not, not to say and act the same way as their white friends to the police as they need to act, that they need to be keep their hands in a visible place that they need to speak with great respect. And that this is a huge problem for America that, that, one group is treated so very differently by the police that they have young children have to learn to be docile and like just go along with whatever the police do. And I, I find this, yeah, it's very sad. Given this is the context for some of the ways that some of the police behave in the United States. Do you think that the police can be a kind of solution to anti Asian hate crime in the United States, can what kind of role can and should the police play? Given that they have some problematic history <laughs> with minority can I communities, say, can
1: I say I don't know. I honestly can't think of anything that they could. Yeah, that's okay. Immediately yeah. do and and mm. that could bring in you know very visible mm. changes effectively anytime soon. Because it's
0: yeah, I wonder that right? too.
1: I I just feel like it's such deeply rooted in how I hate to say this. But I'm going to say how American propaganda worked. And like, mm. I know people talk about propaganda as such a bad word. Da, da, da. I'm like, it's actually pretty neutral. It's an act that basically every government does. Mm. Every group does that. Every corporate you work for does that. Mm. And it just turns out, it just, it just so happens that the propaganda in the United States make people think about people that are different from them in a certain way. So I don't, I don't know what the police could do. Maybe just try to treat people like
0: people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, when I was a child, I don't know if this still exists. I think it does. There's something called Neighborhood Watch in the United States, which means, I guess, Mm -hmm. some people who have less work or something, like, just watch their community and then alert their neighbors if something suspicious is up. (laughs) So, like, you know, the last time we ended a a show about anti-Asian hate crime a a few months ago, Mm -hmm. uh, we mentioned that according to some of the websites... If you see a crime happening, you shouldn't get involved because you don't want to be another victim of that, the criminal mm. who's perpetrating that action. I actually don't know if I. I mean, I know that this is coming from a reputable site and they're, 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 they're trying to be careful. I'm not sure if I could just stand there and watch someone beat someone else up. I don't. It, it doesn't seem like that would be the appropriate response. I mean, obviously, if they have a gun, there's nothing you can do, probably, if, unless you're like a SWAT team member or something to like intervene. Yeah but like if someone is attacking an old man it seems like taking a video footage is not the best thing to do. Maybe legally but is that really the moral thing to do? It seems like the moral thing to do would be to try to restrain the perpetrator of that violence. But I mean I don't know and I don't want our listeners to say Jason said (laughs) that I should be attacking criminals in the street. i was certainly not promoting people to try to be Batman. Of
1: course be safe first but like you said if if one person is hitting an old person a, a defenseless person like if you did nothing and just recorded unless you have i guess this is kind of ridiculous but unless you have two phones and you're calling police on one phone and recording it on another yeah i understand but if that's the only phone you have and all you did was to take it out and took a, and take a video post it on social media and thinking hey no uh, again i exposed the problem i'm like that's now that's just a sad and a little maddening for me mm. and if you have other people with you, I'm pretty sure if all of you, you know, try to do something, I don't know, do something. Just, Hold
0: them just... down until the police can come to deal with the situation legally. Yeah. Like, or something. Or, I don't know. You know, what really upsets me is that the people who per- perpetrate these crimes are m- almost always exclusively attacking elderly people and women. <laughs> and like, it's like they're choosing targets that they know are not going to be as capable of defending themselves. I don't mean to be sound like an anti-feminist, but I'm sure that like someone who's six feet tall versus someone who is five feet tall. There's a huge difference, you know, in how they're going to be able to react to like a violent attack out of nowhere, because a lot of these crimes happen from behind. If you watch a lot of the the footage that is out there, there's like an old man walking and he's he's trounced on from behind or that woman that we talked about was pushed onto the rails in the the subway in New York from behind. These people are not like okay, this is the old west, let's draw. They're just attacking people without their with the victim being completely unaware of what's going to happen until they're already bloody or dead.
1: You know what? Maybe America should bring back the Old West spirit a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Let's be fair. Let's
1: be fair. But yeah, uh, you know, uh, with all of those situations, again, I'm going to ask the question, is pepper spray going to help?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Well, you know, um, you obviously, I think you're going to be returning to the United States. What kind of, uh, I mean, eventually, you spent a lot of time there. You've made a lot of friends there. Um, Mm -hmm. What kind of precautions? will you personally take
1: jason do i have any choice
0: (laughs) well i mean obviously let me give you an example after the subway incident there were there's media mainstream media footage of people Mm -hmm. all standing against the wall so people stopped standing next to the tracks because they realized okay you know someone might push me onto these tracks so increasingly people were Guarding their back, which is terrible that you we would some people would have to live in a society where they're afraid all the time. It's, it's really it, this is awful, you know. In addition to the fact that I'm sure you know what, there are millions and millions of Asian people living in the United States, there have been 9,000 instances, so this is only affecting you know directly a small amount of people. And their families, it's also psychologically affecting everyone.
1: The whole group, the whole community. Yeah, everyone, for sure.
0: Be- everyone is afraid now to live in their own community. And even these instances often happen in what is referred to as Chinatowns. So like they can't go outside in their own community without being afraid that someone is going to attack them. Every single person is affected by this. I'm
1: pretty sure they're scared in their own community as well. Cause that community is not closed off. Like people yeah. go there, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I've always been standing by the wall, standing by something I could hold on to just in case someone wants to push me. And I think we discussed this as well. Other than that, I don't know. Like when I wear my back on the, like my where when I wear my backpack the normal way, I'm scared if someone's going to steal stuff from me in the backpack, and mm. if I don't, then I guess now there's just one more thing to worry about that someone might attack you from behind. Well,
0: this has not been the most fun topic, but I think it's definitely something we need to talk <laughs> about and And we're going to have to come back around to this unless it goes away. So hopefully one of those, uh, hopefully it goes away. Hopefully. Hopefully it's the latter one. You you know, maybe that now that things are getting back to normal and people's lives are not what they were during the pandemic, this kind of uh, media coverage will stop producing this kind of racism. Yes. But I don't know if I'm that optimistic. I'm just trying trying to be hopeful. That's the
1: best we can do, isn't it?
0: So a lot of Chinese people have chosen America as their destination for mm-hmm. education, you know, and there, there are other places to go learn English, like Australia, <laughs> all of that relationships, also yep. problematic. We're not going to get into that. And in the UK and other places, or maybe even people studying French can go to like the Somborn or something. Do you think that this is going to affect like uh, education migration to the United States?
1: I, I feel like here's the thing. Um, a, a lot of Chinese students are, when they do meet situations where people or not as friendly they would say like oh you're here to realize your american dream yada 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 not really like they mm-hmm. go there because they respect the authority of knowledge there it's it's mm-hmm. it, it, there's certain things that are you just can't it's uh, just unarguable there are certain institutions in the united states that are absolutely top in the world when it comes to uh, certain subjects, you know, like like you, like when we quoted Harvard and the, mm. it's a mm. lot of people's dream to go and learn from the best scholars in the world. Like people are not going because I think, you know, <laughs> America is, you know, this kind of ideal world where everything is working out perfectly. So I don't think it'll deter people too much. I think kids are going to really learn from the best to, to study whatever they're passionate about. So mm. I I don't know if this is going to change people's mind completely but I think it mm-hmm, definitely will mm-hmm. play into the parents consideration when you're sending your child mm-hmm. to to a million miles away to study but you have to worry about their personal safety it's like life and death it's not just they might get mugged or, or if people are not going to be friendly like it's it it is life and death there's a chinese couple who are studying in Arizona who got into a minor road rage thing you know they someone tried to cut in front of them and then the lady they stopped the car they tried to argue and say why would you drive like that as they were walking towards the lady lady came out of her car with a shotgun and just just yeah, this Whoa. was this was this was the news that we were reading, you know, and when we were when we were in the States, it's it's just I mean, if I were a parent and my kid is like, I want to learn from the best. I'm like, all right, go to Cambridge, maybe <laughs> You know, let's go to somewhere that people are not so they, they could say things that are mean. OK, fine. And they could even try to push you down fine as long as you stay alive if i'm if i was a mom i feel like that would be my sentiment if we're talking about that if we're thinking that way then i do think we're going to see a little bit of a drop um in terms of the number of people that are going to study in the united states so at that point you know Maybe UK or, or, or Australia, hopefully it stays this hmm. way.
0: Well, you know, in with a positive note for Chinese folks living in China. Yes, number please. one, obviously <laughs> we've talked about it before. A lot of Chinese people after they finish their educations abroad increasingly are returning to China because of the economic power and growth and how much better life is now than it was 30 years ago. But like also the educational institutions in China are starting to really rise a lot. And I, I read some statistics in particular tub subjects. China has two or three universities in the top 10 in terms of some science. So like the Chinese Academy of Science and Tsinghua University, etc., are actually starting to really shine. Yes. So we'll see if that trend changes a lot. Maybe not right away now and, and maybe not owing to the violent actions. But you know, just because some of the top educational institutions are starting to be those in China. But anyways, we are out of time. As always, it's great talking with you, Alex. And thank you for joining me. Likewise, Stacy. We'll talk to you soon. Bye
1: bye. Bye bye.